tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapters 35 and 36 of Carry On. So in chapter 35, we are in Simon's POV. It's a week later from Baz's arrival, and Simon is still trying to keep an eye on Baz, and Penny is, of course, over it trying to coax him to come out with her and her mom for dinner. We find out Simon has still not told Penny about uh, Natasha Grimpich and her visitation conversation with him. In class, Simon is doing practical work near Baz, whose elocution is hashtag flawless, and is thinking about how similar Baz and and Penny are because our boy has a serious type. Um, Penny sneaks up to Simon's room to convince him to come to come out. And Simon asks Penny about said Nico Natasha mentioned to no avail as Penny gets a call from her mom and pieces out. Chapter 36. Uh, we are in Penny's POV directly after chap- the chapter 35 um, where she reflects on how she got her contraband cell phone from her parents, uh, which happened after the incident with the humdrum last term. Penny thankfully gives us more detail about how her and Simon were magicked away from school to a dying magical spot by the humdrum himself who looked like 11 year old simon the humdrum was sucking out their magic but penny distracted the humdrum and simon flew them out of danger on weird wings simon manifested they stopped in a town where penny magicked away simon's wings and they catch a train back to watford penny's mom understandably did not want her to go back to school but penny insistent hence the magical cell phone excellently done thank you yeah a uh, reminder, we are spoiling everything through the end of this book, but nothing from Wayward Son. Uh, another reminder, please go leave us a review. It's helpful and makes us happy. And with that, we are going to enter... Easy come, easy go. Easy come easy go where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else i want to speculate okay i'm ready so penny's aunt has now twice come back to be like stop looking for my books and penny's like it's just because she's like a jerk and doesn't want us to like have access to her knowledge and i'm like are we quite certain about this or like would you find her like I don't know, weird fetish porn stash if you went looking <laughs> for her books. That didn't even occur to me. Uh, yeah, it's probably definitely a lot of porn. Maybe some like, you know, experimental, quasi-illegal, magical spell speculation. Um, and maybe, I don't know, right. Maybe it's like her journals and shit. Maybe she doesn't want them reading about her sexual exploits i don't know i right i just feel like it has to be like dead people want their research to be 
to be published. Like she wouldn't be like hiding her her like research endeavors after death. <laughs> so she definitely is hiding something else. <laughs> Yeah, I also just kind of like the idea of her coming back because she's a bitch to be like, stop looking for my shit. <laughs> like, just being fucking, just like, like, I'm not going to tell you stop looking for it. It's like, I don't know. I just, I respect that energy, like, even after death. Just totally. Be like, no, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, in... Chapter 35, uh, when they're doing practical allocation, Simon is paired with Gareth of the mm-hmm. magical belt buckle. Mm-hmm. And Simon talks about how that Gareth is not very, I guess I don't know what the word is, concise? Not concise. Like his magic doesn't come out very smoothly. He doesn't have enough intonation to make the spells work smoothly. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, again, maybe he shouldn't have a belt buckle to focus, from which to focus his magic with. Ooh. <laughs> he should definitely have something else, maybe. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe if you were very good at moving your hips, it would make sense. But uh, Gareth does not seem like he is. Yeah, no, I think that makes a ton of sense. Also, we're so good at like doing things with our hands while talking without thinking about it but you don't really like do things with your hips like intentional like casting a spell type movements with your hips without having to think about it so it might just be like he's trying to rub his stomach and pat his head yeah i don't know i just feel like if someone was like a dancer they would make maybe do it but i guess i think it would require some out-of-the-box thinking Mm -hmm. to make it work better than maybe gareth is you know wants to do which is i mean like fine yeah no i think that that i think that makes a lot of sense (laughs) so i i thought that the line about americans think that using more magic makes you more powerful is very funny on its own and then simon being like like fossil fuels is just like (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> uh, uh, and then I'm having to be like, I know what fossil fuels are, and I'm just like, right. uh, what an adorable baby! It's all—it's just like, I don't know, so very, very accurate. <laughs> I mean, also that unfortunately, it's like, of course, Americans think that you get more powerful using more of what everyone else considers a finite resource we absolutely would yep 110 (laughs) percent yep (laughs) (sighs) yeah what's next oh just that uh uh simon mentioning that the boys in their year are afraid of penny because she might turn them into frogs Mm-hmm. And she being like, it's a really hard spell to do. I'm not, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, that spell to turn people into frogs has got to be from like a fairy tale slash Disney. There is nothing would convince me otherwise. Oh, no, it definitely is because she said that she would have to kiss them to turn them back. So it's definitely the princess and the frog. Although I, I was thinking about that because the frog is a frog when we when we meet him in that fairy tale. So I'm like, how do they know like what the spell to make him the frog would be? But 
I, yeah, mostly I just love that that spell exists. <laughs> yeah, why would you need to turn people into frogs? Because it's funny. Like, I, I just feel like that's 100% the reason that that spell exists and that, like, <laughs> people probably cast it on their siblings, like, all the time when they're fighting growing up, like, if they have the magic to be able to do so. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> yes. I'm just like, I'm just like, it seems, it seems like a dangerous gambit considering that, like, frogs are pretty uh, fragile uh, animals. It's true. I assume that they retain their, like, human minds when you do that. I guess that would be true. I would hope so. But, I mean, I guess at least as a kid who, you know, spent time in ponds, like, catching frogs and stuff, the amount that my siblings and I, like, chased each other around with frogs that we had caught being like, kiss it! I'm like, they, <laughs> these magic kids were would absolutely do the magic equivalent of that. They would do the exact same thing, It's only the frog in their hand is their other sibling. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> uh, um, this, the, the little exchange about the magical record that Simon and Penny has, where she's like, are you reading that? And he's like, I've heard it's fascinating. And she's like, I told you that. And we're like, yeah, Penny, he was teasing you. <laughs> it's just really cute. And I liked it. I just liked it a lot. It was such a sweet friendship moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I feel like I like that because I feel like I maybe I read it and anyway, I didn't realize it was a joke. <laughs> I thought he was maybe being serious. Oh, no, he was totally teasing her because she's probably said that to him like a bunch of times. Yeah, even though it sounds dry as fuck. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Birth records. It's like le- reading fucking Genesis in the Bible. It's like, this is not fun. And as someone who has to write meeting minutes for my job, like, there's nothing exciting about reading minutes from a meeting. The ones where the mage was staging his coup might be interesting. Like reading a That's Shakespeare true. play. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'm just trying to imagine someone trying to, like, write very, like, dry and, like, you know, placid meeting minutes, but it's about, like, the mage losing his goddamn mind and everyone just fighting. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't, uh, if the mage hadn't done away with the the drama club or whatever it was that they used to have, they could have turned his meeting minutes into a play for the school. <laughs> <laughs> he would have loved that. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should stop stop cutting the arts in your schools. <laughs> Especially your magic school. Yes. Especially when you've levied all the taxes. Like, you have enough money to have a fucking arts program. The mage. Yeah, exactly. Teach some kids to teach them how to draw and some how to in a drama club. Yeah. All right. <laughs> In uh in Penny's POV chapter, <laughs> she has this bit where she's like complaining about her mom not uh approaching the issue of her and Sam and Simon being suddenly magicked away against all like potential rules of the magic in this world about not looking at it intellectually and like freaking out about it. And it's like, mm. Penny, your mom was freaked out because you could have died. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't think she was going to look at it in as, as interesting of an intellectual puzzle as that might be. She was not going to view it that way. 
Hell no. She doesn't want you to fucking die. Uh, it's that Virgo moon, though. She's like, <laughs> come on, let's be rational. <laughs> uh. It was totally fine. We just took a train back from Lanchester. Wait, that's not how you pronounce that word. Uh, Lancashire. Lancashire, thank you. Yeah, I looked it up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Speaking of Penny's mom, I think it's really funny that she basically, like, magic jailbroke Penny's phone. <laughs> <laughs> I know! Her mom is so great. I can't wait till we meet her in person. I know. Yeah, she is pretty great. Also, I want a magically jailbroken cell phone. I'm sure it's rad. Yeah. So she can do all kinds of cool shit on her phone. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. So Simon pulls out the magical record to look up to try to find out stuff that happened around Natasha's death, mm-hmm. uh, which means that Baz is born in like the late '90s, which just like makes me feel very old. Yes, I believe all. they were all born in 1997, so they're ten years younger than me. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I don't know why that stuck out to me so much, but I was just like, wait. <laughs> uh, that means that, like, I still consider them to be, like, infants. They're like <laughs> 23 right now, right? Yeah, if they were 18 in, in 2015 when this came out. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> um... Last week I saw a tweet. There was a viral tweet from Macaulay Culkin who just tweeted that he was 40 and that was the entire tweet. And I'm like, way to feel like, way to have every like old millennial be like, fuck you. <laughs> I didn't realize how old I am. <laughs> and I was like, this is, that was a very effective tweet, my dude. Because I didn't want to think about that. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, I am really grateful that we got this line from penny about how she weighs as much as simon does like we've already it's been established canonically that penny is you know chubby or fat or whatever word we want to use but getting it from her in this very unselfconscious totally like judgment-free way is i don't it just made my heart feel very happy it's just it's really refreshing just to see it written as like a non-issue like you know like she's talking about it just because it'd be like this is pretty impressive that he did this thing while we're like escaping for our lives and then like that's it and it's just really nice just to be like cool also good for you and your self-esteem penny we love to see it Mm mm-hmm I just have I have one more thing. Cool. Which is just that uh, one of Simon's skills is pickpocketing, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I have to say, a skill that as a kid I was like wanted to learn how to do. Which is what happens when you read too many not age appropriate books. I feel. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. It also I mean it's good character development in terms of what learning about you know, more about Simon and what his, like, uh, growing up in care homes meant for him. 
also something that I wanted to learn as a kid. I feel like because so much uh, literature in the, like, even kid lit in the 90s was focused around, like, orphans and runaways and, like, otherwise unsupervised kids who had to, like, get by on their own wits. It's like, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, like, pickpocketing in uh, the media that I was consuming. I was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm gonna be a cool pickpocketer too yeah no i definitely think you're right about the so many like plucky young orphans slash runaways all right well that was my last one too so let us move on to i see a little silhouette of a man I see a little silhouette of a man where we talk about character development. Uh, We meet a new character in this chapter, these chapters. We meet the humdrum, finally. 193 pages into the book, we finally meet our (laughs) villain. (laughs) Uh, For the uh, copy that I'm reading on iBooks, it is, yeah, it's about like page you know, 220. But yeah, it takes a while for us to get to that point. <laughs> it really does. Uh, but I'm actually I'm actually really glad that it took this long just because now that we're like deep enough in the world, we kind of like get how gross and horrible like the humdrum is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And just like, you know, we get a little bit about like the dead spots and why people are like freaked out by it. You know, we get this, we get these descriptions from penny of just like being in the humdrum's presence and like kind of feeling the like sucking dryness magic suckingness of his power mm-hmm. is just like ugh. yeah it i f- feel like it sounds like sort of your entire being has like the vacuum tube pressed to it you know like how you can give yourself a hickey with a vacuum tube yeah which is it's very visceral these chapters are um or penny's chapter is quite upsetting in terms of body like and (laughs) and gore and stuff like that it's it's pretty gross yeah but it's very effective. It makes you be like, oh yeah, the humdrum is a fucking villain. Like, it may have a goofy name and we may not totally understand what's going on with it, but like, if it makes you feel that way, just being in its presence, like, that is a bad guy. Like, <laughs> that's, I, it makes sense that everyone is so, you know, we have to fight this. Yeah, like, especially at the point where Payne doesn't realize she's, like, oozing blood and, like, fluid out of her pores, which is, like, disgusting and horrifying. It sure is. Yeah, real gross. The humdrum looks like Baby Simon. hmm I thought it was really interesting that even at this point in the book, Penny is like, I don't know why I think this, but I think that's just what the humdrum looks like. Like, I don't think it was fucking with simon i think that it looks like simon Mm -hmm. and she's right yeah i mean it could just be like you know you get a feeling you get a feeling about something you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's just sort of a like i think that's just like kind of her gut reaction 
that is correct as gut reactions often are you know Mm -hmm. totally because yeah like what would be the point of like appearing exactly like 11 year old simon well it upset simon a lot so if it had been some sort of glamour or something it's it would have been an effective one to choose Mm -hmm. and it does seem to be it's connected to simon but like even at this point it's like they can tell that it's like drawn to simon in some way or it like wants to attack simon and so it would make sense like simon's reaction i think makes sense that it's just doing it to fuck with him because like it comes after him or seemingly comes after him well i mean yeah i mean it magicked him to the spot to like attack him so it's a pretty big. I actually wanted to ask you, like, what was its intention with this? A test, maybe, to see if it could. I mean, because, like, you know, Penny mentions that, like, this this is some, like, far out magic that, like, probably shouldn't even be able to be accomplished, you mm-hmm. know? Which is magic in the two of them halfway across the country or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. however long a distance it is. And I mean, considering that, like, a lot of the other humdrum attacks towards Simon just seem to be, like, weird testing the water things that, like, don't necessarily make sense. Well, I mean, its motivation in most of its attacks is just to get Simon to go off because that's what feeds it. But in this situation, Mm -hmm. he doesn't even go off. But maybe that was its intention was to get him to do that. And it just didn't work out that way. My last thing about... I'm using it. They use he. I guess it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, I guess that's actually maybe a question to talk about it because it's like, I mean, they say he, but it doesn't. I mean, it seems like the humdrum is less, is more of a, like a force than like a person. Mm-hmm. I agree. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. I just had this note about the fact that the humdrum is bouncing this ball that apparently Simon used to bounce all the time. Which also great character development, like fidgeting with shit, makes so much sense for who Simon is as a person. Mm-hmm. I want to give grown-up Simon a fidget spinner since he clearly is like too self-conscious to bounce his ball. But Penny takes this ball away and and throws it away, and it seems like the humdrum has to go get it. Like you wouldn't expect in this circumstance for it to like leave penny and simon before accomplishing its goal which is presumably to get simon to go off so like Mm -hmm. i guess that made me wonder about how much yeah i guess kind of personhood the humdrum has at this point because it it must have some sort of like emotional attachment to that ball Mm -hmm. this is a very open-ended question slash thought but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, like, it shouldn't have worked to, like, distract the humdrum, but it did. Right. You know? Yeah. So does that mean that in some ways the humdrum really is currently an 11-year-old kid? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it definitely has some 11-year-old kid-like impulses. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else here? I don't. Cool. Let's move on to... Fan 
Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up, which are often the same thing. I guess we should start uh, with Penny talking about how her and Bez are not are not anything alike, and her family is not anything like the Grim Pitches because they're not uh, speciest and racist, mm-hmm. and like Simon being like, "But isn't Bez not white?" And mm-hmm. then also, it like, I mean, I think that Simon is questioning is like, you know, I mean, I guess I don't know if maybe he's questioning the presence of racism in this world, because like, he, I think he's like, genuinely curious. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, this is maybe the first time in the book that I'm like, ah, we didn't get enough information here mm-hmm. because i i can't like i i agree with simon i think i don't think that baz's family is at least racist i don't think they're racist in a way where they wouldn't think that penny would be allowed in uh so i wonder if penny is just like projecting because she otherwise doesn't like baz's politics i it also, I was like, does that mean that the school has, like, a history of, like, excluding people based on race? Like, how dare this line be here without giving us more information? Like, I, I dislike this as a throwaway line, though I very much appreciate the little sort of, like, teachable moment where Simon is like, isn't Baz a race? And then it's like, his mom looks Arabic. Like, I like what we get as a result of that conversation, but I don't like having this included here without context in terms of what it means about like the politics the like race politics of the magical world and like Watford yeah yeah you're right there just like isn't really enough for us to like there's you're you're right there isn't enough context I mean especially because like well I think maybe we might have to come back to this at some point mostly because I feel like what we're getting from Baz and his family is definitely just like I mean, part of it is like a class classism, but also whatever you want to call mage superiority or whatever the fuck. Oh, like they're like more powerful people are. So like looking down on people who are less powerful. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or like, you know, of maybe having a background and, you know, a, a family where it's you, you're not like, you know, 100% human. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it could just be sort of a like not particularly well thought out shorthand here yeah i mean i feel like i like launched into my rant and i want to make sure that like like know that i want you to express like all of the things that you thought about when you read that line like regardless of my particular rant about it i guess mostly i was just kind of like curious because that's not i mean we've in the few chapters from in Baz's mind we've been in, we've seen a lot of terrible bigotry, but that's not necessarily the one that we've seen to have gotten. Is like racism. I don't know. I just it felt disingenuous not to bring it up, obviously. But I guess it's something that I'm still kind of like can't definitively answer about Baz's views. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I also, <laughs> I don't really know like what this necessarily means but i get the feeling that 
Baz and like his family would very have a very like snobby anti-racist attitude <laughs> where it's like <laughs> that is uncouth just like not even like they wouldn't hold those beliefs but their added their like attitude about not holding them would be very like i'm doing a, a body movement that you you now as well as the listeners can't see because we're not on <laughs> skype for once but it's like very like eschewing like uh <laughs> you know but like snooty no no, <laughs> no that no no, that makes sense because they would be like, uh, racism is for like silly normals. It's not for us. We're above that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the vibe. That's the vibe I get as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, and I mean, again, like they're not above bigotry, like for sure. <laughs> they <laughs> like, are 100% oh speciesist. Like... <laughs> without yeah. a doubt that accusation yeah. is like 100 yeah. percent. yeah and their views for people like gareth who is magical but not up to whatever weird like you know like gareth like not being up to snuff magic wise mm. and just like right. yeah i guess i just don't know what the what the language of that would be is it ableism kind of maybe I kind of feel like it is. Because it's like, it's like a mix of like some ableism and some speciesism, <laughs> depending on the context, with, I don't know, I'm sure some like weird class shit thrown in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't know the word, but I mean, it, it feels like their attitude towards less powerful people is very similar to people who are like, who judge people based on like their quote unquote IQ. And I mm-hmm. f- feel like the word... The word for that is ableist? I don't know, though, I guess. Huh. Maybe it's just general being a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I feel I feel like I I feel like in this course of us having this conversation, it's like, oh, yeah, just saying racist is sort of like a useful shorthand because trying to like explain (laughs) out like how this bigotry against not pure blood mages or whatever the fuck is difficult surprisingly yeah they would definitely need to have like a specific word in this world for people who are bigoted against less magical people i guess it's weird that that maybe this is a correction it's weird that that word isn't already exists because that word would exist I'm going to go ahead and say that the fact that we've been trying for five minutes to come up with a word for it and have <laughs> failed, and this is, like, what we do professionally, like, I'm going to cut Rainbow Rowell a tiny bit of slack on this one. That's fair. That's <laughs> like, fair. This is fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. Only on not coming up I... with the word, not on the whole, like, you can't just, like, <laughs> throw something out, like... Baz doesn't think I should be allowed to go to Watford without telling us whether or not Watford previously excluded non-white people from its student body. Like, yeah, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Who? All right. Um, <laughs> so the mage says that cell phones are a security risk. And I think I already ranted about this once, but, like, what? Yeah. 
I mean, again, I, but the first time I ranted about it, I was like, this is fascism. And I feel like it's now been proven that this is like 100% about like control and separating the kids from their families. But a security risk in what way? What does that even mean? Like, what is he, what claims is he making to the people who he's controlling with this action? I mean, I think you're right. Because my first thought is to say, oh, he doesn't want the kids telling their parents what the fuck he's doing at the school. But they could just do that in a not magical way. It would just be slower, I guess. You know, it wouldn't be like instantaneous. But maybe it's because he doesn't want them talking. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I guess it doesn't actually seem to make sense to like, like what security they're worried about. I guess not like... I don't know. This isn't the this isn't the movie Scream. Like the home drunk isn't, isn't gonna call anyone and be like, "I'm coming over to fucking murder you." Like, what? Like it's just right. It's just like kids talking to their families and like, I don't know, sexting them. Like sexting their other students. Like what? What is at risk from that besides? I mean, I think I think his his real reason behind it is just that he wants to make it harder for students to communicate with their families. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know what argument he is or like what reason he's publicly putting out about why he's doing this that anyone would buy. Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. But if he's the if he's the head of the coven and the headmaster, like, like he doesn't have to answer to anyone. Really, he can just be like, it's a security risk. No phones, you know? Sure, he can make the rule without explaining it, but like Simon seems to legitimately believe it. And so what what has he fed to the students that they're like, oh yeah, it's a security risk? Because if they were like, this is bullshit, I think a lot more kids would be sneaking phones in. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like a uh, many a fascist leader, maybe he's like, you know, what if the humdrum is using cell phones to... Mm track us or you know be able to find us or like we're not like totally sure but there might be something with the humdrum and cell phones so just to make everyone safe just in case yep no cell phones yep that sounds right because like because no one really knows about the humdrum you could like the mage could make up any fucking reason to be like we're gonna do this thing because you don't want to get your magic sucked away by the humdrum right and then the terrorist would win mark <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord! Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, wow, the major's the worst. He really is. Uh, yeah. So, what's next? Uh, I just have a really short point that I want to mention, mm-hmm. which was um. So Penny, when when Penny talks about their escape. She's like, I didn't tell anyone that Simon just magicked up some wings without using actual magic words because they would have to burn him at the stake, which what the fuck? Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Are you nor are they normally in the habit of burning mages that they that they think are too powerful at this? Like what? What? Like, uh-huh. Just what? <laughs> I agree. Who is making these decisions? <laughs> it, yeah, because so I wondered if 
if if this was hyperbole or if she meant it literally, but I kind of feel like she did mean it literally because when they talk about like locking each other up in towers, which also sounds like, you know, like a fairy tale euphemism because they're magic, but they like mean it. I don't know where they get the mm-hmm. towers or where the towers are. So I do feel like she meant it. And I'm like, what the actual fucking fuck? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it's just like, does this world, like, you guys, this world maybe needs some kind of justice system. (laughs) So you're not just fucking burning people at the stake. It almost made it sound like he would have been, like, convicted and, like, sentenced to burning at the stake. Yeah. Which is maybe more fucked up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they just would have written it down in the magical whatever. Yeah. <laughs> called it a day. Uh, wait, goddamn, what is it called? The magical record. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yep. Caught in a landslide. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Mm, I got a rant about this whole like penny's whole like body horror chapter (laughs) okay let's do that it's so i mean you know i'm not good i'm not good at horror i'm not good with like body things uh the description of like pores oozing and these fucking wings like disintegrating in penny's hands and like the wings themselves like too many joints and like too many feathers i was just like this whole yeah yeah no it's it's really viscerally disgusting it is and like just like just so it's so it's so unnerving it's fucking gross it's so gross (laughs) yeah and just like and like poor penny having to like i mean obviously she's freaking out while this is happening but I feel like the fact that she's having these nightmares is like she maybe only was a little bit freaking out because she's like big Virgo energy. There's a, we have to do this thing and get back. Mm-hmm. And then like later is like, oh, shit, what a fucked up thing to have happened to me, my best friend. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like that's the kind of thing where you just like you react in the moment and then later your brain is like, holy shit. <laughs> can we just could we for a second talk about what happened earlier and you're like uh if we have to (laughs) Uh. yeah very effective very disgusting Mm -hmm. very horrifying yeah so yeah i yeah i don't know i can stand a lot of horror sometimes like body horror stuff is like too much and this is like just on the edge of being too much Mm-hmm. it's like we're not gonna describe it because anything else would make you just your skin crawl off of your body yeah so. and then you'd be in your own body horror nightmare <laughs> 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 all right what uh what rants what rant do you have okay this is more of a maybe a positive rant <laughs> i love a positive which rant. is or a lighthearted rant, which is 
when Simon is just like, oh yeah, Baz's elocution is flawless. And between that and the theory and the top theories about where Baz was, is sort of like Baz is definitely Regina George from Mean Girls. <laughs> and I just keep thinking about the bit where they're just like, you know, oh man, Regina George, like, she's flawless. She did a car commercials in Japan and I'm like this is the shit people say about Baz they're like oh yeah he was doing those commercials in Ibiza like yeah it was so awesome the time he cursed me <laughs> like <laughs> and I'm like yes. <laughs> it's just it's just so fucking ridiculous I I just say so you know I'm like grinning and nodding which is not helpful <laughs> on an audio podcast <laughs> but like I'm with you I agree with everything you're saying mm-hmm. I just I don't know I really appreciate that and just like you know where 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 Baz is on the uh, social standing of uh, Watford <laughs> yeah so I'm gonna take us back to a gross place apparently alright let's do it so it doesn't reiterate it here, but we know from earlier that when the when Penny and Simon get back to school, they're still bleeding from the pores. And so I just need to point out that that means that during this scene where Simon is pickpocketing someone and then they're taking a train <laughs> back to Watford, they are actively bleeding from their pores and somehow no one interferes. <laughs> I guess, okay, so I'm of two minds, which is, I guess, the idea that I hope they would use some, that maybe Penny would be able to use some kind of glamour to, like, make them, people just not notice them. Mm. Uh, the, the other, I think, more funny idea is the idea that people saw them and just were just like, you know what? I don't, you know, I'm just gonna <laughs> pretend like I don't see what's happening. You is know? that funny? I feel like that's <laughs> terrible. I mean, it is terrible. But, I mean, you see a lot of weird things on public transit, I guess. Sort yeah, of but if someone's, like, it. I feel like in that situation, like, you should definitely be like, are you okay? Do you need a hospital instead of a train? But also, like, no matter what, um, I, I I think the glamour point is a good point. Uh, but if the if that wasn't happening, can you imagine a circumstance in which someone who is bleeding from their pores gets physically close enough to you to steal your wallet and you don't do anything about it because I cannot. (laughs) Simon would definitely leave behind a smear of blood if you just like... (laughs) And then you like like, go to the fucking ticket counter and you're like, just... (laughs) I don't... I can't. (laughs) It's too much for me. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I just need you to know, there's like 25 X or question marks after (laughs) this note in my notes because I'm just like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm also just like, I hope that Penny cleaned up all the blood they left in the seats because that's just like definitely someone cleaning person is going to be like, but why? Yeah. Shivers down my spine. 
Welcome to Sends Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Baz and Agatha are quote-unquote playing games with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, Simon apparently just stares at both of them, and then Baz makes sure that Simon is looking. (laughs) Oh my god, these fucking teenagers. Uh, this is why Penny is so fucking over it. She's like, I don't want to sit in the dining hall to go through one more meal like this. I swear to God, Simon. For real. Uh, oh yeah, I would be so annoyed with them. The Wat the Watford gossip mill. Very hot this week. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. What what do you have? Oh, I mean I guess I really just can't say this enough about Simon and talking about how uh, Baz's elocution is flawless. (laughs) In four languages. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I just kept thinking about, yeah, and I just had flawless in my head. I'm like, yeah, that is, yep. (laughs) But I'm also like, do you hear yourself I don't know that he's flaws in those other languages, but he probably is. <laughs> right. I guess I'll just have to believe him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, Simon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at like peak oblivious in this chapter when Penny leaves, and he's like, "I'm just gonna go to the window and see if I can see Baz on the soccer pitch." And it's like, I know, like, <laughs> buddy, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're you're literally pining my dude like you're literally like maybe i'll come maybe i'll see him run past out of the window I'm like dude i i keep when i think about what simon is experiencing in these moments where he's like looking at baz out the window and like the physical sensation that one has when looking at one's crush in a situation like this. And how Simon is interpreting it as something having to do with like enemies and needing to like keep an eye on Baz and whatever. It always makes my brain start playing that Blink-182 song <laughs> where they say very aptly, why does it feel the same to fall in love and break it off? And like how that feeling that like swoopy butterfly feeling when it's a good feeling like when it's falling in love it's a good feeling and when you've just been broken up with it's a terrible feeling and when you're on a roller coaster it's the same feeling but it's a fun feeling Mm -hmm. and i feel like Mm -hmm. that explains to me a little bit how it is that simon can like look at baz out the window and just completely misinterpret the physical experience that he is inarguably experiencing in those moments right no that's such an excellent point thank you blink 182 (laughs) (laughs) not a thing i thought it would come out of today's episode (laughs) look i'm here for you with the like 1999 you know top 20s alt rock references it was limp biscuit like two weeks ago but i think on the other <laughs> podcast so yeah whichever time that we mentioned uh 
late 90s alt rock. Because um, <laughs> there's just multiple times. It just comes up a lot. Look, we're apparently uh, old, so. <laughs> oh my god, Simon and Baz were too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no, no, no. <laughs> oh my god uh one time one time at my old job me and one of my co-workers were listening to like uh ace of bass i saw the sign and we we're like jamming out and then one and then like our intern was like i've never heard this song before and we're like what and so we're like looking it up and it's like Oh, this came out the year you were born. And then we're both just like, oh my God. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like. You're like, this is literally classic rock for you. This is terrible. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. um, What do you have next? Uh, I think I also had him. I'm just like uh, pining at the window. Cool, yeah. I just had that he he can't go to dinner with Penny's family because he needs to keep tabs on Baz because he doesn't know where he's been. I was like, <laughs> dude, you're going to be gone for like three hours. You can figure it out tomorrow. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, he's even turning down like a meal someone else is paying for. Like At his favorite ramen place. That's... <laughs> That's love. That's what yeah. that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cute. <sighs> All right. Is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Just want to mention that we get more conversation about uh, conserving magic versus wasting magic. Mm -hmm. As we see Penny and Baz both, quote unquote, like wasting magic Mm -hmm. by various people and just kind of like... I guess I would just I guess I'm just curious that I wonder if this impulse is a thing that the humdrum is you know, that the humdrum existing is making worse. Oh, it has to be. That's such a good point. Cause it seems weird for a teacher to be like, Bass, stop fucking wasting your magic. And then he just like and then he was just like, I'm gonna do it faster. I'm like, bro. <laughs> but it just seems like it's I just feel like it seems like a weird thing to have happened like in class. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense that that they would be experiencing like increasing anxiety about the idea of magic being a limited resource as a result of these dead spots appearing. Like fossil fuels. Like fossil fuels. (laughs) Which are, in fact, a for sure finite resource. Yes. So let's see. We learn a little bit more uh, very important for later in the book information about how you can confuse the spirits when they come to do their visiting by hiding Mm -hmm. their target or murdering the person. You know, either way. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that's something that could backfire. What if you you murder that person and then both the visitor and the person you murdered both show up? It just seems risky all around. Well, that's an excellent point. Although I guess, 
Yeah, because there would be presumably someone that the maybe it takes maybe it takes people a while to like fully cross over. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I guess that even though it seems like there are a few like visitations that happened this whatever time period's happening, like it's still like not a ton of people. So like clearly not everyone does that. Right. Yeah, because the, the murdering thing definitely works. At some point later, Penny talks about a family where some like a different person got murdered every 20 years. So like clearly the the person who would be doing the visiting can't reroute to like the next best person and the person who was murdered can't just like immediately turn around and come visit whoever they would have visited. There must be some sort of transitional period. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. It must be weird to get used to being dead. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I just want to like state for the record that I hope with my entire being that there is no such thing as the afterlife. I just want to be done when I'm done. I mean, I feel like that seems like the most plausible thing. I agree. <laughs> and I believe in ghosts. Both. Don't at me. <laughs> Listen. Uh, what a rich tapestry the universe is. Also, we don't know how that how any of this shit fucking works. I mean, I feel like I believe that ghosts are like a memory and not like an active being. Yeah, I feel like it was. I feel like it was a Sarah Jane Adventures and not Doctor Who, but there was like a ghost thing, and she was like, "Ghosts aren't real," and she was like, "This is just like an. It's just like an imprint of energy that's left. It's not a ghost. Maybe it's both." in both shows that they do that and i'm like that how you're making a very strange distinction right now i challenge you to tell me that those are not (laughs) the same thing because they sound like the same thing to me i mean yeah and like i just feel like it makes sense with like every kind of like ghost present story you ever hear yeah i feel like i just like took us way off the rails uh it's your turn (laughs) i just like knowing how many kids are in their class Oh my god, me too. (laughs) It's just, I don't know why. It's just like, I just really, I mean, and that's like not a lot of kids. Yeah. 50 people, you definitely know, you know everything about those 50 people. Yeah. I mean, I think that we like it because we've spent so much time on the Gaily Prophet being like, but if there's only 80 kids in Gryffindor, how can there be 800 kids in the dining hall? Like, why is none of this consistent? And then when we get, like, just a fact, we're like, oh, my God, a fact. <laughs> we, don't have to, we don't have to question it. <laughs> God bless this fact. <laughs> I just, I just like, nerds love a fact. And I'm just like, <gasps> yes. Just... <laughs> uh, we get, we get some, a couple new spells. I like the nonsense spell. Yeah, that that definitely seems like that's the spell you would use when, like, young kids are, like, playing ridiculous pranks on one another or something. And you're like, and you're just like, all right, (laughs) what even is happening, you know? Yeah. I also feel like, I don't think it would work this way, but it feels like a spell that I, like, wish that I could cast on, like, my brain when I get, like, stuck thinking about, like, a scary thing. Like, when... Or, like, a sad thing or, like, whatever. Mostly a scary thing. Like, when I end up having to do sort of, like, 
inner child work being like, yes, you did like see the scary post on the internet about the thing and like you can stop thinking about it now because it's not real i appreciate that you're afraid and like could i just cast nonsense on myself and then make the like terrifying image that makes me want to sleep with the lights on just leave my brain with that work i also want that for you Mm, thank you (laughs) yeah brains are the worst brains are the worst Okay, okay, let's focus. We've been recording for so long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What do you have next? Um, So my last thing is, I mean, you know, we already get a lot of like Simon's, his out of control magic and sort of just how much of it there is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm again just so interested in Simon just being like, I'm just going to say some words and make them be magic, which is not how the magic in this world works at all. I know. And Penny just being like, I'm just not going to fucking tell anyone like that he can do this. thing." <laughs> and it's he I mean, he has a very, I mean, almost a terrible amount of power. That's <laughs> really what I want to say. Yeah, totally. It's a terrible, terrifying thing for him to be for him to do. <laughs> it is. And it's really, I, th- I think, really, really interesting in terms of, like, how it sets us up for thinking about Simon's magic. He's not even constrained by, like, like, he can't, he can't do, like, the most basic magic in a way that's, like, predictable. But then he's, like, not even constrained by the rules of how magic actually works. It's like so right. fascinating. Also, I feel like I wish I could fly should be a spell that gives you wings. Mm-hmm. Which actually got me thinking if I believe I can fly would give you wings. I hope so. I want you to be <laughs> able to fly by just singing the We Can Fly song from, from the Disney Peter Pan. <laughs> we know that you can cast like songs and fairy tales and, or uh, nursery rhymes and stuff like that. Like I feel like you should totally be able to make yourself, not not with wings, but like be able to make yourself fly by singing that song. I definitely also feel that way. I can't believe you just made me get I Believe I Can Fly stuck in my head by the box. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry to everyone who now is maybe thinking about. Yeah. And even and even like him manifesting these wings that are clearly so wrong. <laughs> like capital w wrong uh-huh to like make them escape it's just so it's like he can still like bend the rules of like magic in this world but it's still like it's not great right <laughs> it's very just kind of like double-edged sword which i guess is kind of like a lot of his powers really or his power in general yeah it's, it's just it's just not precise yeah and I mean, it could just be just because he's like, just can't not use too much magic, I guess. Right. So everything just like ends up too strong. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, I would also just like to say that I am so glad these are not the wings that Simon ends up stuck with at the end of the book. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, those are still pretty unfortunate, but this is just disgusting and awful. Right, at least those wings just look like wings, right? They're not like horror movie wings. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I finally thought of an analogy that I feel like makes sense about Simon and his power. It's like, Simon's power is like a water hose, and he's trying to like fill a variety of glasses and containers with a garden hose so it just like spills over or like you know nothing is done well i mean it, it gets done but it's messy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's that's perfect also fits into our wet ass match it does thank you we have to bring that up as often as possible since i made simon a little theme song <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Make sure you check out our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, where we talk about Harry Potter humorously yet ruthlessly. You can find us all over the internet through The Gaily Prophet. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. We're at thegailyprophet.com. We're on patreon.com slash thegailyprophet, where you can get every episode of Escape from Reality early and with bonus content. So definitely check that out. There's also a bunch of other good stuff. And sometimes Jesse writes carry-on fanfic. So even better. (laughs) If you are looking for ways to support us that don't require any money you should leave us a five-star review on itunes or wherever else you're listening to podcasts at not only does that let us know that we are doing a good job which we love to hear more people can listen to us which is always exciting you should also tell your friends about this podcast and convince them to read carry on because what else are you doing in a pandemic right now might as well yes truly um, hopefully you're also like spending a lot of time like at protests and or like calling politicians but after that when you need to recoup you should be reading excellent sexy fantasy novels and then listening <laughs> to podcasts about them <laughs> you can find me and my very annoying dogs on the internet on instagram <laughs> at lark malachi that's l-a-r-k-m-a-l-a-k-a-i you can also find me on my website which is larkmalachi.com and from there you can book a tarot reading with me and uh learn about how to fix your life in a compassionate and also spooky way which you should definitely do you can follow me on twitter at jesse underscore detroit or you can follow me on instagram at live from detroit our show art is by theo julian forrester the music in our theme song is by kevin mcleod the rest of the music is bohemian rhapsody by queen and until next time scatamoosh scatamoosh